greeting. How is everybody? It's a good night. Amen. Good night to be here and to focus on the Word of God. Woo! Amen. Well, this whole month we've been talking, the title of our <clears throat> message this month on Sundays has been Clarity, and, and I'm just going to, I'm going to have a night where we're going to just even go a little deeper concerning the word clarity, what, what it means to be clear. Actually, <clears throat> I, got, I have several words that I think are true to the definition of this word um, that, I've, that I acquired from different sources. Um, clarity is clearness. <clears throat> It's transparency. It's comprehensibility. It's to, 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 for you to have clarity is to be able to comprehend something. Uh, literally in its, in its entirety in the moment. For something to be really clear that you're comprehending what it's saying and what it means. That, that's what God wants from us. He wants things to be clear. He wants us to see things clearly. Um, <clears throat> all month and even before the, 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 this, this year began, I begin to share with you that I believe that <clears throat> in, in the day and hour we're living in that God needs people to have a right perception of who he is so that we can help others to know God. Listen, to, to know God is to love him. And when people don't love God, the God we're talking about is because they don't know him. They're not comprehending him. They're not, they don't have a right perception of him. <clears throat> I've told you the I've told you different times, different stories that and, and times that I've had with with people, the guy on the plane that was heading here from somewhere and, and he was coming to study Christianity. And, um, and things in his life, he had, he had judged Christians a certain way based on other circumstances. And he said, well, you know, you know um, Christians believe that, this, that, that, that when, you know, when something bad happens like this, that this was God doing that to them. And I, and I just looked at the guy, and I mean, the story's long, and it's got several parts to it, and it kind of grows as we talk about it. But, <clears throat> um, but um, the thing that, that I, I always go back to is me just in the moment telling that guy, whoa, 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 whoa. That, that's not my God. And he said, I thought you were a Christian. And I said, I am. He said, well, that's what I've heard. I said, well, you, you, that's not my God. And so for the rest of my flight, we were, I think, I think I was in Atlanta and I was flying to San Antonio. The rest of my flight, I told him about my God. And see, people don't love God because they don't know him. And they're not going to know God by going to some school and studying books that for the most part don't know him either. The people that wrote the books, they don't know him. They're going to know him because we know the God of the Bible and he's real in us and then we're able to share with other people how real God is. That's the only way. That's it. No other way. People are not going to know God from a book. They have to have experiences from other people. Every transformation in the Bible was a result of God doing something through someone else that changed another person's life. That's the way it works. It's a duplication process that's been happening where the church world is concerned since Jesus left the earth. It's been, we're, we're here to duplicate God in us, in other people. The hope of the world is Christ in you. That's it. Hope of the world's not in the Republicans or the Democrats or the White House or this or that or anything else. The hope of the world is Christ in you. And we win the world one person at a time. So everything we're going to talk about tonight is, is about 
getting even more clear about how the whole process works. Um, I can't get off of this. I've been on this, I've been on things like this for over a year now, and I just can't get off of it. And I feel like God's saying to me, I want you to keep explaining what I'm talking about tonight, things being more clear, being able to know how to hear the voice of God as we talked about last year, knowing, knowing the difference in the voices and things that are out there, being able to understand God's word from God's perspective, not his word from, you know, other people's perspective, and you not just believing what I say, but taking what I say and going and studying it and looking at it for yourself so that it becomes real for you. God just keeps telling me, just stay on it. Just stay on it. And so we're on it. Amen? And so we're just going to talk about a few things tonight out of Hebrews uh, chapter 3 and chapter 4. We're just going to look at that tonight. And I'm actually... I don't usually um, preach or teach like this, but tonight I'm going to, and we're going to start with verse 1 of Hebrews 3, and we're going to read out of the Message Bible. And so I'm going to stop along the way and make certain points, but I just want you to follow with me concerning this. So my dear Christian friends, Hebrews 3 and verse 1, so my dear Christian friends, companions in following this call to the heights, take a good hard look at Jesus. What have we been talking about this year? That Jesus is the vision for the future. (laughs) He is the vision. And right here I think he says it in in a beautiful way. He's the centerpiece of everything we believe. He is faithful in everything God gave him to do. Moses was also faithful, but Jesus gets far more honor. A builder is more valuable than a building any day. How many believe that? Because you never have the building without the builder. So the builder is more valuable. Every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. Moses did a good job in God's house, but it was all servant work, getting things ready for what was to come. This is what was to come. Christ, as son, is in charge of the house. Now, I'm going to back up right there, and let's read... Uh, the verse before that again. Every house has a builder, but the builder behind them all is God. Moses did a good job in God's house. Moses did a good job in God's house. Moses did a good job in God's house. And we're going to go back what we've talked about this last year. Moses did a good job in God's house, okay? But it was all servant work getting things ready for what was to come. Okay, what was to come? Christ, as son, is in charge of the house. Moses was in charge of, of God's house, Old Testament. Okay? The Bible says God's heart and his, his heart was in and his eyes were upon his house. New Testament, second, uh, first, uh, first Timothy 3.15 says, the house of God is the church. That's the house he's talking about right here. Jesus was preparing for the house, but it doesn't stop with that. Ephesians 1 says that house Old Testament, church New Testament, Ephesians 1 and 21 says, which is his body. And in this verse of scripture, he says, now if we can only keep a firm grip And I'm just going to say, if we can get this clear, if we can only get a firm grip, if we can get clarity, if we can get get clearness on, on this, on this bold confidence, we're the house. I said, we're the house. 
house, Old Testament, that Moses was faithful to, Jesus was even more faithful to the house that we are, the church, which is his body in the earth. He was so faithful to it that he didn't leave anything out. He didn't miss anything. He didn't mess anything up. And so what he left us was the purity of the fact that now we're the house of God and the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us. And now what God, the only thing that God can do in the earth now, which He's already done everything in the earth that he wanted done, but the only way for that stuff to get done in a manifested way is now for the church to get a grip, get it clear. We're the house. The only way things are going to happen, the only way people are going to get saved, the only way people are going to get healed, delivered, and set free is if we take ownership of the fact that we're the house and Jesus is the builder. And he built us and he made us. And he's prepared us, and he's set this whole thing up for us so that we can do exactly what he wants done in the earth. And we got to get that super clear. we got to be clear about this. We've got to understand that's why we're here. In that verse 11 again, he says, Now, if we can only keep a firm grip on this confidence, we're the house. That's why the Holy Spirit says, today, please listen. Don't turn a deaf ear as in the bitter uprising, those that came out of Egypt. That time of wilderness testing, even though they watched me at work for 40 years, your ancestors refused to let me do it my way. Your ancestors refused to let me do it my way. Our ancestors refused to let him do it his way. We don't want to get caught doing it our way and not doing it his way. Because the house that Jesus is the builder of, it's already built. We don't have to put our hands to anything. We just have to do what he says. And we got to get clear on that. I mean, we got to get absolutely clear on it. You know why? Because the clearer that gets to you and I, the greater the deliverance that you and I walk in. When that's not clear, most people operate and live in fear. When that's not clear, most people live in intimidation, in jealousy. In fretfulness, always looking around at all the things going on in the circumstances instead of truly believing that what God has already built and set up, he's able to make sure it comes to pass. See, our, 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 our praise and glory has to be in him who is the builder. And if my focus is on him and I realize, wait, he's already built me. Now, I've got to experience what he's built. I've got to walk in it like it's so. Your ancestors refused to let me do it my way. Over and over, they tried my patience. And I was provoked, oh, so provoked. I said, they'll never keep their minds on God. They refuse to walk down my road. Exasperated? I vowed, they'll never get where they're going. They'll never get where they're going. He's talking about the children of Israel in, 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 in the wilderness. There came a point where they wouldn't do what he said. They wouldn't grab the hands of their wives and their kids and stand, and when there was no water, worship and honor God. No, the water came, but they complained, and it still came. And when there, was, there wasn't food and they, weren't, they didn't know how it was going to happen, well, instead of thanking God that food would be there because he didn't lead them out to cause them to starve to death and die in the wilderness, he let them out to lead them in, right? But instead of grabbing hands and saying, you know what, we're trusting God, they moaned, groaned, and complained, and God gave them stuff anyway, right? And instead of, instead of 
Trusting God, they looked at the circumstances. They were moved by every single thing they saw to the point they go into the promised land. Twelve of them went into the promised land and ten of them came out more afraid than when they went in. And God didn't tell them to go in and decide whether they could take the promised land or not. He said, go in and see what I've given you. They were just come and bring a report back. And they, they, they agreed there's some, some big old grapes, you know, about as big as, big as a 14 basketballs. There's a bunch of big grapes. There's a bunch of stuff. There's, I mean, I mean it, there's wealth in that land. But there's giants in there. They're going to take us out. Why? Because they're moved by what they saw. They underestimated the power and the ability of God. And that's what he's saying in this passage of Scripture. What you've got to get clear right now is don't let yourself get sucked into what that happened with them. And, and actually, the passage of Scripture that we're going to read here in a moment explains exactly what happened to them, what they didn't do. And then it explains exactly what we have to do to make sure that that doesn't happen to us. Amen? It's a simple process. Now, how many understand, how many in here tonight, you know the story that I'm talking about, about the children of Israel? Just, just lift your hand. If you don't know it, I mean, don't, it's, it's okay. It doesn't matter if you don't know it. Okay. So, <clears throat> the children of Israel had been in bondage for a long time. And their bondage during that whole four to six hundred years that they were in bondage, depends on when you, you say that it started, somewhere in that time period, the whole time they cried out to God for them to, to be delivered. God sends them a Savior. Moses is a type and shadow of Jesus saving you and I. He came and he saved them out of bondage. But what happened was, they spent so many years, generation after generation after generation, moaning and groaning and complaining about how bad everything was. One day, here comes Moses, and there's some miracles manifested, and everybody gets excited, but they leave Egypt, their, their comfort zone, and they get out in the wilderness, and they're shocked. Because now... They have to trust God, but they have no, they've had no word. They've had no word. Nobody encouraged them. All they've known is hard labor. All they've known is barely get by. All they've known is not enough. All they've known is just doing what someone else says. You know, if they tell you to stack those rocks over here, we just do it here. Now we're out here, and now we've got to obey this person that we kind of really don't even know, and we got to do what he says, and he's leading us in certain directions that doesn't look like the right way to go, and we come out here, and now we're going to die of thirst, and we're going to die of hunger. They had no faith in God because they had no word. And this story here is a type and shadow of you and I coming from the world, getting born again, Jesus saving us, and then having to learn how to trust God. The day you got saved, you don't know how to trust God, but something in you is ready to do it. I mean, it, I mean all of a sudden, all the juices begin to flow. The, the moment you get born again, your spirit man comes alive, your, your human spirit and the Holy Spirit become one, and I mean, your physical body, your soul is ready for some action. It's ready to do something. It knows absolutely nothing about what to do, but it's ready. Right? How many got saved and like you're ready to tear the whole world up? Huh? I mean, I, was, I mean, you, you can ask my wife, I, I was ready to go from one end of the planet to the other. Huh? I mean, I'd, I'd, pe people, I'd come up to street corners and knock on people's windows. Uh, and, you know, at one time... Uh, the window went down, this guy, he just, boom, knocked me down. You know, I mean, I was just ready. I mean, I thought everybody wanted to know the God that I knew. I didn't know anything, and I just did whatever seemed right. And it's, that's dangerous. It's kind of like giving a little baby a 
you know, a pistol. You know, a loaded pistol. <laughs> you, that maybe could hurt some people and things and stuff, right? And that's what happens when we get born again. But that's day one. So we go, right? And, and that's why you connect with church. That's why you connect with people that love you. And that's why you have under shepherds and people that want to make sure that you get the word. So you, man, now your spirit man can grow up and it can renew your mind and your past. So you get rid of the past and you build up the future. And that's what we're doing. We're here to grow you up, right? We're here to preach the word. The word grows us up. Well, in this situation with these people, with the children of Israel, they, they refuse the word at every turn. And so this passage in Hebrews 3 and 4 is an encouragement using the story of the children of Israel and encouraging us not to allow ourselves to get to that place. The only way that you will not be exactly like them is if you stay connected to the Word of God. It's the only way. There's no other way, or you'll become just like them, even, even in this dispensation of time, the same results that happen to them will happen to you. If you don't receive and put yourself in a position to have the seed of the word planted inside of you. So, I've been saying that a lot, I've been talking about it over the last year or so a lot. And God just keeps telling me, just keep telling these people how important that this is. Now, in, um, where did I leave off? So he said, um... So I'm going to start with uh, the last part of verse 11, or yeah, verse 11. Exasperated, I vowed, they'll never get where they're going. We don't want to be those people. Everybody say, I, I'm getting where I'm going. Amen? We're getting there. We're getting there. Amen? We're accomplishing what God put us here for. Amen? Never able to sit down and rest. Verse 12. So watch your step, friends. Make sure there's no evil unbelief lying around that will trip you up and throw you off course diverting you from the living God for as long as it's still God's today keep each other on your toes so sin doesn't slow down your reflexes if we can only keep our grip on the sure thing we started out with we're in this with Christ for the long haul how about you I'm in it with him for the long haul I'm in this thing for the long haul. How about you? Amen? No matter what, we're in it for the long haul. These words keep ringing in our ears today. Please listen. Don't turn a deaf ear as in the bitter uprising. A deaf ear to what? To the word. To the word. That's why the word is so vital and important. For who were the people who turned a deaf ear? Weren't they the very ones Moses led out of Egypt, as we were just talking about? And who was God provoked with for 40 years? Wasn't it those who turned a deaf ear and ended up corpses in the wilderness? And when he swore that they'd never get where they were going, wasn't he taking, talking to the ones who turned a deaf ear? They never got there because they never listened and never believed. They never got there because they never listened and they never believed. I'll say it again. They never got there because they never listened and they never believed. Today in our world, we have, it's all on us to put ourselves in that position to listen to the Word and then listen to the voice of God. We have to work at it, and we have to develop it. Listen to me. Your ability to be a doer of the word 
is in the seed of the word itself. So as I'm talking to you tonight out of Hebrews chapter 3, and I'm giving you some instruction that God is telling me to give you, as you're hearing that, that becomes a seed and it goes inside of you. And as you're hearing it, it's empowering you to do the right thing. I wish it, was just, it would just stop right there. I wish it would. But the only other factor that you have to, you have to deal with concerning that, you're hearing this, it's what you do with what you hear. That's the only other factor. What do I do with what I hear? So what I'm telling you tonight, one of the things that you should get out of my, the teaching tonight, just what we've read from Scripture, you should get that if you want to get to where you're going, make sure you listen. If you're taking notes tonight, make sure to write that down. If you want to get to where you're going, where God wants you to be, just make sure you never stop listening. And remember I said, it'd be great if that's all I had to do was just listen. Never stop listening. And then when you never stop listening, just never stop developing from that seed of the word that's planted in you, developing in your life what it means to do the word, to apply the word, to, to do what God would do in a situation instead of you being moved emotionally or by what you see in the natural realm. Because all the natural emotions want to get us to quit listening and get us off of being on the receiving end from God, the things of God. That's, that's what we've been called to do. That's what God's put you on this earth to do. He's, he wants things to be clear to you so you can help make things more clear to another person. Um, there isn't a day that goes by. There's not a day goes by, not a day. You say, well, you know, you're a pastor. No, it's not because of that. Before I was a pastor, there wasn't a day that went by that I wasn't helping someone else to see something clear. I didn't necessarily see it that way years ago. But a day did not go by where it not just one person, but multiple people that were in my life for me to say something or do something to help things be more clear. It's the most exciting way to live that there is on the planet. There's, no, there's, no, there's not a more exciting intensified way to live than living your life just being ready to be used by God in a moment. And I promise you, when you're, when, as you make yourself ready, as things become more clear to you because you will listen, you will not allow yourself to be distracted, and when you are distracted, you come right back. Because stuff happens, you know, stuff hits us and knocks us and tries to knock us down and those kind of things. And you may go down, but you're not out. You can get right back up. You know, you, you, you may get blindsided by something and, and, and you have a struggle for a season or whatever, but you come right back to it. That's the way God made it. He's empowered us to be able to overcome situations. Say, I'm an overcomer. That's what he said you are. Well, why would I need to be an overcomer if I don't need to overcome anything? No, we're an overcomer because we're, we need to be busy overcoming constantly. There's stuff everywhere, situations everywhere, things that you and I have to deal with on a constant basis. But the more clear it gets for us, the more clear we can help make it for other people. And I tell you, the ultimate lifestyle is a lifestyle where you're not about you. You're more about other people than you are just about yourself. Because when you're about others, God makes sure everything in your life gets covered. This is the way it is. But you need to hear that. See, so when I tell you that, you need to take that and say, and let that get downloaded inside of you. Okay, so what does that mean to me? One person can hear it. The person you're sitting next to right now could hear it one way, but you're hearing it in another way, and that's why the Holy Spirit's there to reveal to us what that means to us. And I'll just say it to you again. There's, there, there's, 
that the perfect life, the perfect life, is that I'm more about other people than I am about myself. That's the perfect life. That's where every need in your life gets met. When I'm not about me and my advancement, I'm about helping other people and seeing the other people, people's lives change and get, and get ministered to. But when you hear me say that, I'm, I, I know what I mean when I say that, but do you know what I mean when I say that? And what does God mean in what I'm saying for you? And that's what you need to know. You can't hear something like that and think, eh, you know, that's pastor, but I just, I just don't have that personality. That just doesn't fly with God. I mean, talk to the hand. Go talk to God about it, you know. It's not about personality. I promise you, if, you have a, if you're an introvert, there's a lot of introverts that need you. Amen. Last part of that verse in chapter 3, they never got there because they never listened and if you don't listen, it's impossible for you to believe. Right? The person that gets saved, they're all excited. Man, they're ready to ha all this stuff happen. You know, six months down the road, it's like, you know, they're beat up, scars on their face. You know, the, the, what seemed to work in the first three weeks isn't working six months or a year later. And they're discouraged or whatever because now it's time. It's like, you know, the... The, the infancy is over with, now we got to start growing up and taking responsibility, and that's difficult. That's not easy to do, right? Chapter 4 and verse 1, still in the Message Bible. <clears throat> For as long then as that promise of resting in Him pulls us on to God's goal for us, we need to be careful that we're not disqualified. That we're not disqualified. We received the same promises as those people in the wilderness. We have. We're talking Hebrews 4 is on this side of the cross. Okay? So we receive the same promises as those people in the wilderness but the promises didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't receive the promises with faith. The New King James says, they didn't mix faith with the word that they heard. So back up to the beginning of that sentence right there. <clears throat> we receive the same promises as those people in the wilderness. But the promises didn't do them a bit of good because they didn't mix faith with what they heard. Now, what was the challenge? He doesn't want us to be disqualified. That's an interesting word. So, how can you, what disqualifies you in the kingdom of God? So you make a mistake and God's mad at you and you're disqualified? Absolutely not. The disqualification is that there's no power backing up what it is that you're attempting to do. That's where you become disqualified. Because if I'm not going to mix faith with the word that I hear, and what does it mean to mix faith? So if you're hearing something tonight and there's a challenge, like, the, like what I just said to you a minute ago, if you're hearing this, tonight, and God is challenging you to spend some time on a specific thought. Every word I've ever heard taught in 40, almost 42 years of salvation, every word I've ever heard taught, I've received it when I heard it. And most words that I've heard through the years, I take notes. And I take notes sometimes what was being said, and then in the middle of what's being said, God will tell me something and I'll write that something down. And that's what I go back and study and allow God to show me for myself. They didn't mix faith with what they heard because they weren't listening. They didn't listen and they didn't believe. When you hear the word and you begin to do something with it, 
The ability to believe is in the seed itself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, what I'm saying is kind of like this. Like, Sandra and Kristen, they're teachers, and so you go in and you give your students tests at different times, right? Okay. So, what if they laid the test out to the students, and right next to the test, they laid out the answer key? And the students just decided they didn't want to do the test. The answers are already there. All you have to do is do them. The ability to believe is in the seed itself. You just have to go do the word. Now, I'll just tell you this. This is one person that's not alive anymore. They're passed away, a family member of mine. She was a very educated person, several master's degrees or whatever. But she could not understand with her educated mind what it meant to be a doer of the word. You know why? It doesn't make sense. You've got to break it down. You've got to understand what it means to do the word. I mean, I mean, do you, I mean, do you move the word? Or I mean, do you, what, 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 what do you, what does it mean to do the word? Well, if the word tells me that by his stripes I'm healed. Okay? If the word tells me that, and I wake up one morning and I'm coughing, I'm sneezing, I feel feverish in my body, okay? If I just go to the medicine cabinet, what that's revealing is I don't have any understanding about how to do the word where symptoms in the body are concerned. Did you, you see? So in other words, it's revealing how ignorant I am of this situation. What he's saying is, don't allow yourself to be disqualified where healing is concerned by not applying what you're hearing about that. Did I say it's wrong to go to the medicine cabinet? Absolutely not. But if all you do is go to the medicine cabinet and you never practice Faith. You never mix faith with what you hear about healing, you'll never get well God's way. Ever. And yet, He's already given you all the answers. He's already shown us in His Word how to get well. It's already there. I mean, it's like laying the answer key next to the test and the student desiring, deciding not to take the test. Okay? I mean, I mean that's, that is really how simple that it is with God, but we have to do it. Like I said, being a doer of the word, an educated person, an, a person that is very educated in their mind and knows how other types of systems work to get well, why would I do this when I can go to the doctor, when I can do this? And I'm not saying going to the doctor's wrong. I'm saying... If you never practice and develop putting the word to work where healing is concerned, then you will trust doctors to the end. And doctors will tell you time and time again, they come to the end of themselves and they have no answers. And yet Jesus is the answer. He is the healer. Amen? He healed our bodies. He healed us. And yet... If I don't put that to work and I don't do something with it, it will not work. And so what happens is, where health and healing is concerned, I become disqualified. Well, who disqualified me? God? Absolutely not. I disqualified myself. Why? Because I didn't just, I didn't go and do something with what I had. I didn't go write the answers from the answer key on the test. 
you say, well, you know, it's not that easy. What I've noticed is, what, what, what I've noticed over the years is that people just don't have the time to spend studying the Word and getting that download inside of them about what, they, what their part is in being on the receiving end of what they're looking for. Sometimes people don't even know what they're looking for. If you've not even taken the time in your life, I'm not saying this in a cutting way, there's things in my own life in, in years past when I, I wasn't even sure what I wanted to do about a specific thing. Some people don't even know what they want. Well, let's find out. He said, if you lack wisdom about your life, ask of God and he'll give to every man freely. It's right there. But what do you have to do? Well, I, you know, I just kind of feel funny about, you know, asking, okay, all you're showing is, is you, you've never done that before. See, if you're looking like this, looking for God, God's right here. See, you've never done that before, so all I'm saying is, just start it. Okay, so like ask him? Yeah. So like ask him, God, I don't know what I want to do. I'm asking you to show me. I had, a, I had another family member one time. And they were coming out of college and they were deciding what they were going to do and they just didn't know and they had like three options. And they didn't know what they were supposed to do. <clears throat> and this person asked me, he said, what do I do about this? I said, well, the Bible says, James 1, any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men freely and he will not withhold. And what was his next question? Honest question. Okay, but how do you hear that? I mean, I've got these opportunities, and I'm not sure which one to take. I said, I don't know. All I know is you'll get it if you ask. And he said, and the next question was, so do you ask once? I said, then another scripture says, ask and continue to ask, or in other words, ask and continue to thank God for hearing until you get it. There was a deadline in his life to have to know. And he called me early one morning, and he said, 3 o'clock this morning, I woke up. I mean, when I think about this person telling me this, it makes me weep because he got it. And, and it does, because he just did it. He, he just, I mean, he asked the honest questions. So, so what, ask? Yeah, God, I've got these options. I don't know what to do. Your word says for me to ask you, and you'll tell me. I mean, I mean, that's pretty dang simple, right? But that's the way it works. And he'll talk to you right where you're at, however you talk. But 3 o'clock in the morning, it was on the morning he had to make a decision. And he said, I don't know how I know, I just know. I'm taking this one. And it was the perfect position and job for a long period of time in his life. And did amazing things. It, it, it actually developed some things in him to be ready to be, do more. If he had taken another job, he would have probably been there for a couple of years and, and searched somewhere else. But this was the right job. Why? Because he asked God and God told him. That's being a doer of the word. Plain and simple. That, and, and so you break that down. I gave you like a couple examples, but you break that down in every single area of your life. And you know what? You're not going to look good doing it. You know, when, you don't, when you're not sure how to do something, you're not going to look good at it. You're not going to be professional at it. No, you're, you're, you're in, say, beginning stages in certain things. And listen, every time you're believing God for something in another area, and you've not, you've not walked that path before, you've not gone into those waters before, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be uneasy. Let it be uneasy. Let it be difficult. You just rejoice and give God glory and know, I'm going to do whatever the Word tells me to do, and I will succeed, and I will get through this, and I will come to the end of this. That's where your focus just needs to be on God. You say, well, so I can just sit back and do nothing? No, I didn't say that. No. No, you do whatever he tells you to do. Yeah. Hmm? Whatever he tells you to do, you do that and you will succeed. 
What I've found is in my life, what I've found over the years is, the more I wait and I listen and I pay attention and I do what he says, the less stressed I am. Because when you're impatient and you're trying to make something happen, then you're trying to get God to bless the mess you've made. I can talk to you from experience on that. Trying to get God to bless a mess that I made doesn't work. He's not into blessing messes. Amen? He's into harvesting fruitful manifestations. Can you say amen? God's into the harvesting business. You plant and you will harvest if you keep watering and staying faithful to it. Amen? So, let me finish this. I want to get down to verse 12. Exasperated, I vowed, this is about, I can't tell what this is, it's probably verse, into verse 2. Exasperated, I vowed, they'll never get where they're going. How many times has he said that? Never be able to sit down and rest. See, when you enter into God's rest, you can sit down and not feel guilty. <laughs> you can sit down and do nothing. Until God tells you what to do and not feel guilty about it when you've entered into his rest. God made that vow, verse 3, even though he finished his part before the foundation of the world. Somewhere it's written, God rested the seventh day, having completed his work. But in this other text, he says, they'll never be able to sit down and rest. So this promise has not yet been fulfilled, the one he's talking about from Old Testament from the children of Israel. Those earlier ones never did get to the place of rest because why? They didn't do what he said, in other words. They were disobedient. God keeps renewing the promise and setting a new date. And what is that date? Today. If you hear my voice, if you do what I say, you'll get the results. He keeps setting the date. So see, every time you disobey, he resets the date, and now it's today. Do what he says. Listen, do what he says, and you'll get the results. Man, how good of a deal is that? I mean, you, you have to work at losing with God. I mean, you have to work really hard at losing with God. You have to work hard at it. God keeps renewing the promise, setting the date as today, just as he did in David's psalm centuries later than the original invitation. Today, please listen. Don't turn a deaf ear. And so this is still alive. This is still a live promise. It wasn't canceled at the time of Joshua. Otherwise, God wouldn't, have re- wouldn't keep renewing the appointment for today. The promise of arrival and rest is still there for God's people. God himself is at rest. And at the end of the journey, we'll surely rest with God. So let's keep at it and eventually arrive at the place of rest, not drop out through some sort of disobedience. Verse 12 and 13, and I'll end with this. God means what he says. God means what he says. What he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. Nobody can get away from God's word. There's, it's, you, you, The Word of God, number one, the laws of God are written on our hearts, and we can't get away from the Word. The Word is there, it reminds us. But when we open, the Word comes, it opens you up, it it, it causes you to want to hear and to listen and to deal with things in our lives. So as we start doing that, all we're doing is setting ourselves up to be qualified recipients of every promise in God's word and to be used by God 
to make things clear for other people. I want you to really get the download on that for yourself about things being clear for you so that they'll be clear for others. I want you to really get that deep down in you, inside of you. God wants your life to be clear. You know who you are. We're not the house of God in the Old Testament. We're the church of Jesus Christ, which is his body in the earth. And if, as we keep that firm grasp of that, and that becomes clear to us all the time, then we will do the word the way he did the word, and we'll get the results that he did, and even greater results because he's at the right hand of the Father, and there's no telling what can happen in your and my lives if we'll do what he tells us to do. Listen, pay attention, believe the word, mix faith every time you hear the word. As you're hearing the word taught tonight, mix faith with that. Do something with it. Don't just listen to it in one ear and out the other ear. Take what's being said tonight, mix faith with it, and watch what happens. When I gave you that example tonight about regarding um, the wisdom of God, when I gave you that example about coming up against something that you don't know what to do, don't think for a minute that you are like a lone ranger out here. You're an isolated case of somebody that doesn't know what to do. Everybody, everybody faces that. Every single person faces it. What's, what's really bad is to face that and not know how because you've never practiced or you've never known. But, you, but if you've known and you've never practiced, that's what disqualifies you to be on the receiving end of the things that God is doing. He's not going to do it for you. He's already done it for you. We disqualify ourselves by just not doing our part. My part is to listen, pay attention, learn what it means, get more clear, my comprehension being so much more clear, things being more transparent, I know exactly what God wants me to do, do it and watch the results happen. I, we just, he's already set it up. He's already given us the, the blueprints of it. He's already given us the game plan. His word is full of everything that we're supposed to do and when we do it, it produces the results. In this season, the door is open. The opportunities are there for you and I. God wants us stepping into those. But the only way to step into that effectively is through the seed of the word transforming and changing us and building us and leading us and guiding us. No other way? I wish there was another way, but I've exhausted every other way. The only way it works is the word. Can you say amen tonight?